0: Happy Sabbath. It is good to see you here this morning. It's good to have our Boys' Dorm boys in the back from Pine Tree. Thanks for coming today. Thank you for coming early. It's a little bit earlier than than, uh, some of you are used to coming to church. So thank you for being here. I don't think we prayed for this part. So, TJ, would you pray for us?
1: Sure. Heavenly Father, we are grateful again that we have the privilege and the blessing to come before you today. I ask that Your Spirit may abide with us as we seek to delve deep into Your Word, Lord. As we open up Scripture, uh, we pray for open hearts and open minds, and that You will be glorified in all that we say and do. In Jesus' name I pray,
0: amen. Amen. So this has been an incredible journey. TJ and I have t- been talking about these things for months. And, um, Every time we sit down, we we usually talk on the phone early in the week, and then we have a powwow on Friday night. It just seems like more and more keeps opening up to us as we're exploring this theme of Isaiah 58, and the implications are are just pervasive, just seeing it everywhere in Scripture. It's incredible.
1: Yeah, it's really... um a huge shift for me right? as we've begun to to dig deeper into this. Um, It's challenged me to look at things in a different way from what I've been taught, um, from what I thought the way Mm. that I was supposed to react and respond. Um, And it really has, uh, for me, honed what
0: our mission and purpose is as a people. Mm, Awesome. So I want to jump into this week with a quotation from Daniel Montanez. You may remember, I think it was last week, I quoted from him. He did a blog post entitled, From Truth to Trust, Reimagining the Future of Christian Apologetics. And he wrote this to quote a conversation I had with Dr. Dale Coulter what we need are not apologetic experts, that is, people who have the right answers about faith. We don't need apologetic experts, given how much expertise is being questioned. What we need, he says, is family doctors who live with the people and show their concern through their concrete practices. This just may be the best defense for the Christian faith in our postmodern history. Age. T.J. and I, have, as we've reflected on Isaiah 58 and kind of the halo that, that expands beyond that, have been had an increasing sense that the Sabbath matters more today than, in some sense, maybe ever. There's a sense in which, in the end time scenario, the practical loving of neighbor that's in that, that 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 we find flows out of Isaiah 58 is the single most needed action of the Christian faith today.
1: Exactly. Um, I had mentioned last week that this this concept or idea of deception and what the Sabbath is and how it plays a role in end-time events we have historically thought a certain way about the Sabbath and and what it means and what what its purpose is and what we're supposed to do in regards to it. But as we've seen revealed in Isaiah 58, there is a different slant that God has intended for this day and what we are supposed to be doing upon this day. And its role is critical in regards to end time events and the role that we're supposed to play in those events. We have seen a broadening of the application of the Sabbath Not just this narrow focus on the day, but the influence that the Sabbath is supposed to have throughout our lives.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I will say, everything we're saying is really just touching the tip of the iceberg. The more we explore this thing, the more the Sabbath seems to be um, interwoven in life as a defining principle. So we're going to start off by jumping back to a text we had last week, and that text is this one, Isaiah 58, verse 12, and it reads, Those from among you shall build the old waste places, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. So last week, in fact, this this mini-series on the Sabbath is entitled, Repairing the Breach. Somehow, as God's people in Isaiah 58, as they lived out the, the neighbor love that we see in Isaiah 58, 6, 7, 9, 10, etc., they, they earned what you might call a little cheesy, but a nickname. And it, it was something they became known as, as the neighbors would see them and the people around them would see them doing good in society. They earned this this name, this title, this reputation of being repairs of the breach, restore of streets to, of streets to dwell in. There, there is this sense in which God's people are known as active agents in rebuilding and restoring. And, and today we, we're going to revisit and expand on the idea of what does it mean to be a repairer of the breach. And we're going to start that by asking, what is the breach some of it we've touched on, but we just want to kind of go back there and, and ask the question, what is the breach? And kind of tie some pieces together for you that were a little bit open-ended last week.
1: Right, so we identified the definition of a breach, right? Uh, it's, it's a violation in a code or a law. And the law that's referenced in Isaiah 58 is the Sabbath, right? So this, that, the link between the first three commandments and then the last six has been broken it is the link between God and man. And as Nathan said, we're now called to repair that breach. So as we dig a little bit deeper into that and what this breach is, it's essentially a misunderstanding, a miscommunication of who God is and what his intent for us is for worship.
0: Yes, and I'm just gonna jump in here because I I want to underscore what you said about the Sabbath being this connecting peace mm-hmm. between loving God and loving people. And what I'm discovering as I as I'm looking at this more is that when the Sabbath is neglected or outright rejected, it dissolves the crucial link that provides context and, and um, connection and 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 holds the whole, thing together. So if you can get rid of the Sabbath, you literally are breaking, just crumbling the rest of of God's paradigm of of, um, love lived out in the world.
1: Right. And as Adventists, right, we have spent quite a bit of time focusing on the Sabbath importance because it is holy. It's set apart by God, which which is all true. But when we look at Isaiah 58 and the importance of that message, I haven't heard much focus on that. Right? We are called to be repairers of the breach, but how are you gonna do the job if you, one, don't know what the breach is, mm. two, you don't have the appropriate tools to deal with the breach, and three, you don't have the skill set.
0: Mm-hmm. right? So would you say that the breach in part is, is a, is performative religion? We're going through the motions of Sabbath keeping, Sabbath honoring, Sabbath respect, while actually not really understanding and engaging the fullness of the Sabbath.
1: Right. Right. And At least
0: one piece of the
1: of the puzzle. Right. Exactly. And therefore, we can't really accomplish the job that we're supposed to do. You know, I likened it to uh, someone comes to your home and says, "You've got a leaky faucet." Okay, well, I need to identify where that is, right? And then once I identify where it is, I then need the tools to fix it. Now, a chainsaw isn't gonna do me much help (laughs) in that situation, right? Okay, so once I've got the wrench, I've got my Teflon tape, and I've got my my, uh, rubber washer, okay, what do I then need now? I need the skill set. I need the understanding of how to apply those tools to that situation. Right. And then I can address it. Mm. So when we talk about what does it mean to repair the breach, there's a prerequisite that we have to understand. We need to know what the breach is, where the breach is. We have to understand what tools are needed in order to address the breach. And then we have to understand how to implement those tools to correctly repair the Mm. breach because we don't want the breach to leak again.
0: Mm -hmm. So, and, and I think we also talked about this, but part of the breach is a failure to understand the nature of true worship.
1: Right. That's what, that's what God calls out to them right. in those earlier chapters, that you have a form of religion. You mm-hmm. think that you're doing what I'm requiring of you, but it is actually in opposition to what I truly desire.
0: Yeah, and I I wanted to point out while you're, while we're thinking about that, this verse in Isaiah 58, in fact, I think I'm going to read it from the NIV. This is Isaiah 58 and starting in verse one, you, you recall this text, shout aloud or cry aloud, do not hold back, raise your voice like a trumpet. We were looking at the text last night and I realized as I was reflecting on the text that The reason there's this call to shout, to cry out, is because God is not speaking to, God's not speaking to people who are going out and selling their stuff on the Sabbath. He's not speaking to people who are just trampling all over the Sabbath in the sense of, of just totally desecrating it, working on their farms and opening their shop. He's talking to people who are devout. Because notice the next text for day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. So it's interesting that as we talk about this that God's actually addressing people who, who, are, who, ex, who are devout religious people but who miss the point.
1: Right, it's a targeted message. Right? Yes. For individuals who are, who are earnest in their hearts but there's something that they have missed, right? They have gone astray. You know, it, it made me think of something this morning in Isaiah 4:1. There's this prophetic statement that's made. In that day, seven women will take hold of one man and say, we will eat our own food and provide our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name, take away our disgrace. Mm. So there's an earnest in their, earnestness in their plea, but the focus is incorrect because their desire is to do things their way but still be called by the name of God, Hmm. right? To still fall under his protection, to still be aligned with him, but they wanna do things in their own way. And that's exactly what we see in those early uh, parts of Isaiah. So
0: we gotta keep moving. One thing that the breach is, two things we've talked about so far. One is an overly narrow or misguided understanding of the Sabbath as just a day to go to church. Secondly, it's a failure to recognize true worship, and that is that true worship is a verb that primarily refers not to when I go to worship or to seeing in church, but primarily refers to a life lived in sacrificial love of other. Right. And Ellen comments on this. There's a couple of spots, and this is one of them. It is, I'm going to pull it up here momentarily, this one right here. And notice what she says. True worship consists in working together with Christ. Then she quotes James 1.27, which is pure religion is to care for orphans and widows. Right. The love of Christ dwelling in the heart will be manifested in earnest effort to accomplish the work which Jesus came to do. Notice she's defining true worship. In other words, true worship isn't coming to church, true worship is living out the love of God on a daily basis. That's the highest form of worship because because love, or or, maybe I would say this God is love is not a static dictionary definition. Love is a verb and worship is a verb and, and love is a verb in caring for neighbor, worship is a verb in that it's really saying the same thing.
1: Right, and let's, let's not discount the gathering of us here together, right? That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, is that the coming of to, to this building is not the pinnacle of worship. Hmm. It is a part of worship. But as Nathan said, it's a verb. It is an act, right? It is an outwardly expressed act, not just to God, but to the people around Mm -hmm. us.
0: And, And so where we find God is in the trenches of meeting human need. That's why the highest form of worship is to join him in the trenches of meeting human need. Right. Let me finish the quote, and then then I'm going to skip down to another one that I'd love for you to read for us. Um, So, kind words, I think last sentence, kind words, deeds of benevolence, of tender care for the needy and the afflicted. This is the fruit that grows naturally upon the good tree. And then we threw one way at the end here, but it applies to this true worship concept.
1: To be be a patient toiler in that which calls for self-denying labor is a glorious work that heaven smiles upon. Faithful work is more acceptable to God than the most zealous and thought-to-be holiest worship. So let's, let's, we understand that. Faithful work, doing the work that Christ has for us to do, is more important than the thought-to-be holiest worship. True worship consists in working together with Christ. Prayers, exhortation, and talk are cheap fruits, fruits, which are frequently tied on, but fruits that are manifested in good works, in caring for the needy, the fatherless, and the widows are genuine fruits and grow naturally upon the good tree. Hmm. So again, it comes back to that element, right? What we do here plays a role, but the focus of our worship should be outwardly expressed
0: which is fascinating and i and and this is we see the same thing in isaiah 58 so ellen is not saying anything new she's just doubling down on the biblical paradigm that and, and so we were reflecting last night that as seventh day adventists we 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 kind of understand sabbath to be a time when we come together to pray to exhort which we think of as the preaching time or the sabbath school time and to talk which is and this is not necessarily unspiritual talk this can be a highly spiritual conversation But Ellen says this isn't the highest realization of worship. The highest realization of worship is exactly what we find in Isaiah 58, where God says, listen, you think that fast, the fast of humbling yourself, of bowing your head, is what's going to really connect you with me, and he says, no, that's not actually what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is people who live out my love in the trenches. That's the highest form of worship.
1: I'm gonna make a shocking statement now. Sabbath is not just for Seventh-day Adventists, right? The experience that we have on Sabbath, the burdens that are relieved in our lives, Mm -hmm. the burden that Christ has relieved from us, we're supposed to do the same for those around us. Mm -hmm. That's that experiential piece, Mm -hmm. right? We take Sabbath and we pull it into ourselves, in and amongst ourselves, when it's something that's meant to be shared. Not just the communication about the day, but experiencing the day. Mm -hmm. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is how are we ensuring that the people out there are having a Sabbath experience, that they're being relieved of oppression, relieved of their burdens?
0: So so repairing the breach then is 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 reframing our understanding of true worship. Right. It's it's coming back to really understanding the Sabbath and its expansive meaning and true and and repairing the breach because uh, I think one of the other breaches is is this idea Jesus mentioned before, you know, in prophetically looking forward to the coming of Jesus, he said the love of many will grow cold. And so repairing the breach is also to step into the gap of kindness toward other human beings. That repairing the breach and, and the Sabbath is necessarily enmeshed with restoring a lifestyle of compassion for the least, for the struggling for the imprisoned, whether that's literally imprisoned or whether that's inhabit prisons.
1: Right. right, exactly, exactly. A, a calling to reflect the character of Christ. And you hear us saying the same thing in different ways over and over again, it is a key element. As Nathan stated before, the fact, we are seeing this theme everywhere in scripture. And that's not by accident because it is the character of God, right? It is woven throughout scripture. So he is continuing to tell Israel the same thing over and over again because they resist over and over again. And that's a pattern that we cannot fall into as Mm. followers of Christ.
0: So I'm listening to TJ and I'm struggling to hold back on not jumping somewhere else in the slides because there's just so much going on in my head right now. But before we jump there, Matthew 5, the Beatitudes um, is a really helpful tool set right
1: and that, that word you mentioned right the tools that was the second portion of it, right? The idea that there are elements that we need in order to accomplish this work. So as we go to the Beatitudes There's a listing of things here That are critical to those individuals that want to carry out the message of Isaiah 58
0: so, so this, then, would be the tools mm, right. for, to bring me into the place where I earn the nickname repair, repair of the, the breach. breach or restore of, of homes to, to dwell in, mm. paths to dwell in.
1: Right, so let's read those texts. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. So these tools that we see, mercy, peacemakers, um, thirsting after righteousness, are all the things that are required in order for us to garner that name. Right? in order for us mm. to carry out the work. The work gets done first, then we get labeled as preparers of the breach. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. having that skill set is critical. Mm-hmm. And then how do we implement that skill
0: set? Yeah, and so I think uh, before that, I think it's helpful to notice that in the text, the, just coming as you are, you, know, you, you say, man, I wanna make a difference in my community, but I don't know if I have what it takes. Well, the Beatitudes give us the tools for getting there, which is just coming, as, just coming as you are with like empty hands and like I've got neighbors who need you, God, but I have no idea what to do. It's really scary because if I start helping someone, then someone else is gonna come along asking for my help. Or if I go talk to this hurting neighbor, I might not have the words to say. Like the overwhelm of stepping into the mess of humanity, it's addressed right there. Just come, poor, broken, empty, also suffering, also struggling. Just come like that and say, God, fill me. That's the last of these Beatitudes on this slide. Hunger for it. God, fill me up so I can pour out. And then, as you mentioned, then we start living out the mercy and the, the purity, which is a life increasingly devoid of self-interest, etc.
1: Right. Et right. we we'll take a look at this uh, statement by Ellen White. In that memorable sermon upon the mount, in which our Savior announced to his followers the principles of his government, he expressly declares the perpetuity of the moral law. So here's that connection, right? Where we see the Beatitudes are tied to the moral law. So there's, there's no distinction here, right? It's a representation of who God is, right? It's mm. how we carry out the work that needs to be done.
0: Mm. That's right. So now we're going to ask the question, why does the Sabbath matter? Sometimes we, as, as, as Seventh-day Adventists, we just kind of take it as part of the package, Sabbath. But some of these things that we take as part of the package, we actually need to stop and say, why in the world does that matter anyway? Because if we don't ask some of these really basic questions, we, we just start overlooking it and going about our business assuming we get it when maybe we actually don't get it very much. And so we just want to reflect for, for probably the rest of this morning's teaching on why does the Sabbath matter? And unfortunately, this is another packed one where we're not even hardly going to touch yeah. the surface.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting question. This thing that God has provided to us, this gift, um. And if you've ever given a gift to your child, as I have, and a couple of weeks later, it's not necessarily in the condition that you gave the gift in. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that can hurt a little bit, right? You know, you spent the time and effort to provide someone with something that you thought would bring them joy, might connect them closer to you. It's the same with the Sabbath. God has provided mm. us this thing that, it, that His intent is to to bring joy, to connect us closer to him, to connect us to other people, but it's been misappropriated. Hmm. It hasn't been used in the right way. And we see the frustration of the people in Isaiah 58 Hmm. earlier because they're asking, well, wait a minute, we have have fasted. We've afflicted our souls. We have done all of these things that we believe you expected. Why have not we not received our blessing?
0: Hmm. Why
1: have you not heard us? Why aren't our churches thriving? Mm. Why are more people going out of the doors than coming in? Perhaps it's because what he's given us, the means that he's given us to ensure that we have a vibrant church life inside and that we are an incredible resource, a needed resource in the community is because we have not used the gift that he's given us in the proper
0: way. Hmm. Wow, my mind's like spinning. Um, So let's just try to get my mind back on track here. Um, Looking just briefly at the last two verses of Isaiah 58, So before sort of looking at these verses, I want you to catch again from the first few verses this idea, and this is New King James, um, cry aloud, spare not lift up your voice like a trumpet. Remember, because God's calling out to the devout. He's not calling out to to the backsliders in kind of the traditional backslider sense or walking all over the Sabbath. They are walking all over the Sabbath, but not the way we think they're walking all over the Sabbath. And notice here, verse two, they seek me daily, devout, right? They delight to know my ways, devout, right? And uh, the last part of verse two, they ask of me the ordinances of, of, the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. So, so here are these people that they're actually devoutly engaged in what they think is the religious disciplines of holiness. Holiness. Now, look with me, with that in mind, that God is speaking to the devout, not to somebody who's just out doing whatever they want on the Sabbath. Now, here it is, keep that in mind. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your own pleasure on my holy day, so notice, the devout have been trampling on the Sabbath. Isn't that fascinating? They're devout, but because they're misguided in their devotion, they're, they're doing these religious things for their own, by their own definition, kind of by mm-hmm. the, what they think God expects, missing the point, de- devoted to it. They're fasting, etc. Highly devoted, but misunderstanding the heart of God. Because of that, in their religious devotion, they're actually trampling the Sabbath because they miss the point.
1: That is a deep concept to comprehend. How many of us come here week after week and assuming we've met the criteria of a worship experience? That's the standard for us, that we come, we have Sabbath school, which we enjoy, we hear a sermon, we fellowship, but that encompasses the entire religious experience. What God is calling to, and this may seem harsh, but that is a hollow worship experience. So as much as you may have grown up in that way.
0: Hey, that's, that's, <laughs> that's my life experience.
1: God is telling us that it is empty mm. because, it, because it is inwardly focused and it is ultimately selfish mm. because it's about what we desire, what we want. Again, not that what we do here is unimportant, But what's the framework of what we do here? Hmm. Is it solely focused on the inside? Or does what we learn and understand and talk about on the inside help us on the outside?
0: That's a great point. So, by the way, the pleasure here, you're doing your own pleasure, was not out um, um, doing some non-Sabbath activity. It was doing religious activity for personal benefit. The religious leaders are a great example, which we're gonna actually look at Jesus and the Sabbath next week. But um, just to pull from the Jesus story, they were a great example because they were intent on, on keeping the Sabbath based on their understanding of it, limiting walking, limiting Picking grain on the Sabbath, etc. And they thought by doing that they were honoring the Sabbath when actually they were trampling on it because it was it was undermining the very purpose of the Sabbath. That's right. Exactly. So just a couple other things here. The word here, delight, is this word that in the Hebrew is oneg, and it means daintiness or exquisite delight. And um, so, so the idea here is that when God's people recognize the wonder and exquisite delight of the Sabbath, when, when they reframe their understanding of the Sabbath and begin to understand what it really is, uh, it says, then you'll delight yourself in the Lord. The Sabbath all of a sudden becomes this rich, fulfilling piece of the Christian life rather than a hollow or burdensome thing. Right.
1: Right, not, the, not an obligation. Right? right. But it's this precious thing that I desire to share with others.
0: Right, yeah. and then there's one more word here, the holy day of the Lord, honorable. So if the devout people would abandon their own interests on the Sabbath and recognize the Sabbath as the Lord's day, back at Jesus said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath, right? So started all the way back here in Isaiah 58 and before... Notice this word that you on that, that word honorable in the in the Hebrew is kabed and it means heavy. Now, this isn't the Sabbath is a weight in your life. We all know about the Sabbath being a negative kind of weight. This is the weight as in a weight of, as as kind of like Paul used it, a weight of glory. The Sabbath is piled high with blessing and when the people of God come to recognize that the Sabbath is weighed down with rich graces, then we begin to move toward this place of blessing where we find delight in the Lord, where we're all of a sudden, wow, God, you're incredible because now I'm starting to see you as you are and, and, and now the Sabbath is pregnant with value rather than being this skinny taskmaster. Mm-hmm. It's this rich, generous right. giver. Right.
1: Because it, 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 the true purpose is to turn me again into a mirror image mm-hmm. of who God is. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So that the desire to share to give exudes from me, right? it becomes my second nature.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're actually in big trouble this morning. Um, because the clock is ticking, we can't stop time. Maybe we should have the Joshua prayer Dear Lord, please stop the clock. <laughs> ah, but we won't. We, we will we'll, we'll make it through. And uh, so just want to touch on a couple of verses in Ezekiel. This is fascinating Ezekiel 20, 20, and 2012. We're going to look, I'm hoping we have a little bit of time to look at the fascinating connection between Exodus and Deuteronomy's reference to the Sabbath. But here's Ezekiel 20, 20. Keep my Sabbaths holy that there may be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the what? So listen, the Sabbath says this, the Sabbath commandment says, well, let me just put up there just in case you forget um, Exodus, let's see, 20. And uh, we'll throw it up there. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, six days, etc. right? And then notice this. Four in six days the Lord did what? Ah, so the Sabbath, the Sabbath says I can live in rest in God because he has my back. He made me and he's enough to keep me, to sustain me, to provide for me. The Sabbath reframes my relationship to the creator and the creation as a steward. So no longer do I live in anxiety about the bills, no longer do I live in anxiety about my life and how the pieces are going to come together. I live in the light of a God who is my creator and my provider. So now I'm reoriented. That means when I go into the week to pour out in blessing to others, I'm not pouring out of my stingy supply. Right. I'm pouring out of the resources of the God supply.
1: That's right, that, that connection, right? That, that special relationship that we have with God on Sabbath is not something that's limited to that time period. Mm. This is what we mentioned uh, uh, previously, this, this idea that the Sabbath is a lifestyle. It's not just what I do within that 24 hour mm. period, right? but it's a way that I live my life. right? It's in the way that I deal with my coworkers. Right? It's in my economics. Right? It is a part of everything that I do. Right? We often refer to the Sabbath as this source, right? and we connect to the source on that day. And that's meant to provide us with what we need throughout the remainder of the week.
0: Mm. So the Sabbath is kind of like carrying a piece of Eden in your pocket. That you can, you know, sometimes when you go to the beach, you know, you go to Cancun or you go to some some nice beach, and it's probably illegal, but you bring back a, a little thing of sand, right? And when you open the sand if it had, you know, maybe it smells like Bermuda or wherever you were. There's a kind of way that that transports you. The Sabbath is intended to be, and I'm going to use the word magical, the Sabbath is intended to be a kind of magical connection back to Eden, mm-hmm. um, kind of a magical, and I use the word magical because the Sabbath has has been imbued with God's presence and and with these principles that give it a transformative power to restore my life to the sustainable rhythms that God created us with in the beginning, pre-fall.
1: And the key to remember is that that transformative act can't happen unless we are abiding by the Sabbath in the way that God has designated it. So you had Exodus 20 verse eight, and I know time, time is short, I really wanna to get to this. But go for it. Uh, 20 verse eight, uh, I wanna point out verse 11, where it denotes the reason behind the worship of God on the Sabbath, because he is creator. Mm-hmm. And we have to set the scene here a little bit, right? We've had Israel that, that is now coming out of Egypt of worshiping false gods, right? 400 years, the knowledge of God has been lost. To mm. So in the commandments, in in the relaying of his character, he call, hearkens back back to that period, that period mm. of creation. This is why you should honor the Sabbath. Now we also have a reference to the 10 commandments in Deuteronomy.
0: So, so hang on. Mm-hmm. So, so in the, because you told me this, and and made this observation that because Israel is coming out of slavery, the knowledge of God is, is close to being lost. Right. So the Sabbath in the first rendition at Mount Sinai, as they've just, just left Egypt, is this reframing of God as creator, this, mm-hmm. this, this day to restore their sense of God as creator deserving of worship. Now let's go right. to Deuteronomy right. 5, which is where you're going right. to take us. And with
1: that, right, so that there, there's a relationship that now needs to be formed. Right? Mm-hmm. Most of these folks, again, they don't know him, so a relationship needs to be formed. Now we get to Deuteronomy, and the scene is different. The people who came out of Egypt, they're gone. This is a new generation that is about to enter into the promised mm-hmm. land, so this nomadic people who have been pretty much isolated are now ready to set roots somewhere and have strangers Foreigners surrounding them. Hmm. Now, when we look at the, the commandments in Deuteronomy 5, they pretty much line up except for the fourth commandment. And the last statement in the fourth commandment, the reasoning behind, behind why God tells them to honor the Sabbath. Deuteronomy 5.15, and remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to, To keep the Sabbath. Different framework, different perspective. The relationship has been established. So what God does now is he adds on Mm. to their knowledge about the intent of the Sabbath. Mm. They were slaves. They were foreigners in a different land. Mm. So that's now something that they need to take into account as they dwell in this land. Mm. Listen to this statement. The observance of the Sabbath was not to be a commemoration of their slavery in Egypt, however. Its, observation, its observance in remembrance of creation was to include a joyful remembrance of deliverance from religious oppression in Egypt that made Sabbath observance difficult, that made Sabbath observance difficult. In the same way their deliverance from slavery was forever to kindle their hearts in the same way their deliverance from slavery was to forever kindle in their hearts a tender regard for the poor and oppressed, the fatherless and the widows. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. This is why I commanded you to do this. Hmm. So we see a reference here in Deuteronomy 24. When you look at the end of Deuteronomy 24, there are instructions provided for how they are to treat the foreigner or the Hmm. stranger. Don't shake all of the olives out of your olive tree. Save some for those that might need it. Don't capture up all of the grain. Save it for the foreigner that might need it. So God has now broadened the scope of what Sabbath is supposed to mean for them as they are now dwelling in this land and will be interacting with the people around them.
0: Mm, that's powerful. So I'm going to say it and, and leave it for you to kind of do some processing at home. That is that the rejection of the Sabbath in, a, in, in, in kind of an ultimate sense is a rejection of God and a rejection of the sustainable rhythm of life as God intended it to be. This is why throughout history the Sabbath has been under constant attack by Satan, either to get it trampled on or to get it misunderstood. Because if we miss the magic of the Sabbath, maybe we should say the holy magic of the Sabbath, then all of a sudden it begins to erode our relationship with God and our relationship with our fellow human beings. And once that's gone, the people of God become consumers, self-interested consumers. In fact, in Revelation chapter 18, the final final human struggle involves a tension between people who are lovers of neighbor and givers, and people who are bent on consuming. There's so much more. We, we can't really unpack all of it now. It's really just the tip of the iceberg. I do want to mention one thing here before we wrap up, and, uh, and that's this Sabbath triumvirate, because there are actually two other Sabbath connections, and one Sabbath is the weekly Sabbath, the second is the seventh year Sabbath. That was that every seventh year and, and um, the slaves were to be set free. And then every 49 years, people that had, had sold their land or lost their land for, for, because they were in difficult circumstances, that land was to be restored So what's happening here is that God is spilling out into the rest of life the Sabbath as a way of living in which neighbor is respected, creation is respected, and and I am a steward of the lavish grace of God in caring for the created world and in loving neighbor. The Sabbath in as understood in the biblical sense, defines the rhythm of reality as it was intended to be from the creator's hand.
1: I mean, it is an incredible framework that God had designed, right? A a method to ensure a a level of equity between all Mm. of us, to ensure that everyone would receive what they need, to not be denied what was owed to them. Can you imagine what our society would look like if we aligned with the Sabbath principles? Mm. What kind of world, what kind of people would we we be? What kind of reflection to the world would we be if we were to align with true Sabbath principles Mm. and then extend that out into the world?
0: Excuse me. Last word from Ellen, and then we'll wrap up with a word from Jesus. Uh, This one, I'll take you there. All through the week, we are to have the Sabbath in mind and be making preparation to keep it according to the commandment. We are not merely to observe the Sabbath as a legal matter. We are to understand its spiritual bearing upon all the transactions of life. So she's getting this flavor from the text that the Sabbath contains the DNA for everyday life. All who regard the Sabbath as a sign between them and God showing that He is the God who sanctifies them or or makes them beautiful people will represent the principles of His government. They will bring into daily practice the laws of His kingdom. Love your neighbor as yourself. Daily it will be their prayer that the sanctification of the Sabbath may rest upon them. Every day they will have the companionship of Christ and will exemplify the perfection of his character. Every day their light will shine forth to others in good works. So the perfection of his character is the good works that reveal the goodness of the character of God. That's right. You get the last word.
1: The one last thing I would say is don't let the Sabbath just be a day for you. Mm. Let it be your lifestyle. Let it be pervasive throughout everything that you do. That's, that blessing that you receive, let it permeate through your skin. Mm. Because once it does, it has no other choice but to come back out mm. and be reflected in your character. Amen. That's how the transformation takes place. Mm.
0: God, thank you. What an incredible journey we've been on. Please guide us, all of us, as we seek to rediscover the wonder that is in this gift from Eden, the Sabbath. And um, God, may we be Sabbath people in the most beautiful sense possible. People who love God and love neighbor. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were blessed by today's message. For more content or to connect with us, visit us online at brunswickadventist.church.